again. It's another Tuesday. Welcome back to the Homesteads and Homeschools podcast. Today is episode number 41, which means you can find today's show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 041. It's the first show in November. And if you listened to last Tuesday's show and last Thursday's show, you'll know that this month I have some musicians lined up. So today's our first one. My guest today got his... uh Sort of his his renown, um, working with the esteemed Mr. Ron Paul, working on on his campaign um, back in the day, and uh, he wrote some wrote some songs there and played some songs, and so most of you I think will will recognize his name. He and his wife um, are out in Washington. They they do some homeschooling and they have uh, a little bit of a homestead. Got some uh, a nice hemp operation. It sounds like going on, and uh, we'll we'll cover all of that in today's show. So, uh, without any further ado, well, let's go sow those liberty seeds with my guest, Mr. Jordan Page. My, my guest today is uh, Mr. Jordan Page. Uh, you may have heard of him around. He is a, a singer, songwriter, a musician. Um, he's got a number of tracks out there that um, speak well to, to a lot of things that we should all, all be thinking about, all be concerned about. And, and if you listen to the end of my shows, sometimes you'll hear a little, little commercial for something called Free, Freedom Song 365. And uh, some of Jordan's music has been, been featured in there. So... Uh, Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to sit down and, and talk. Thanks for having me, Ben. Um, so let's uh, let's go back where where you started. Um, your your education as a kid growing up. Were you public school, homeschool? Oh yeah, I was absolutely raised in the public school system, raised by the state, educated by the enemy, and you know became an adult and really had no idea what I was doing. And had no real concept of how government works, how society really works, just what was going on in my own little little world. Um, I did, I did, you know, I, I am a world traveler. I was a world traveler by the time I was, you know, 20, 21. Been to quite a few countries. So I, so I, I wasn't entirely ignorant, but I, I, I would characterize, I would have characterized myself back then as lazy and indifferent uh, to what was happening in the world. It just didn't matter. And I, I thought that people who were always up in arms about things, protesting things just had net, nothing better to do and should go get jobs. Um, that, that was kind of my, <clears throat> my feeling on it. I was raised in a very, I would say more left democratic leaning household, um, that over time has become far more conservative. <laughs> my parents have gone from one side of the aisle to the other. And, now uh you know i have been trying to to send them more libertarian for you know the past 10 years and i i think i've won them over on on quite a few points there's some things you know the statism is is far too great and some some people won't won't let go of uh, some of the some of the constructs that define their reality but uh you know my my parents are great people and they they support what i do but i i I did not. I did not get an education early on in in liberty, in freedom, in the philosophy, in 
um, voluntarism um, or anarchism or libertarianism. I, I, I learned about these things um, when I was about 26, 27. Um, you know, I, I'm a singer songwriter. I'm a musician. I travel nationally, you know, performing and writing songs about the things that I care about. And in 2006, I, I had an experience where I woke up from a dream and I, in December of 06, and I, I wrote a song called Pendulum, which became a pretty popular song for me and got me a lot of fans all over the world. And this song uh, was a very highly political in nature. I wrote it in the middle of the night, had no idea what it was about. It was kind of a, a spiritual uh, awakening. And the song, the song itself and the reaction that audiences had to it really prompted me to go and, and, and learn like they, the people that, that were loving the song and they knew what it was about, but I didn't even know what it was about. And so that was like, okay, you need to go and do your homework, son, uh, you know, message from God. And so I went and did my homework and I was depressed for about two years. <laughs> Once I did my homework, I, I, I was extremely down and fatalistic and sad and just, just, torn torn asunder you know and because when you let go of your of your illusions and you let go of the foundation the, the false foundations of your false reality it can be a traumatic experience really really hard it, it it can be it's a it's a tough thing to to wrap your head around uh, and and not get too too down on it you know uh, but so when you so that was like 2006 2008 somewhere in there when 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 did your kids come around? Well, my my oldest son was born in in two thousand seven, so he okay. he was a big motivator for me, um, you know, because I, I I was learning everything that was going on. I still hadn't discovered Ron Paul yet. I discovered Ron Paul in uh, early two thousand eight, and but I mean I was so green and wet behind the ears and in, in freedom that. I thought I was the only one who knew any of this stuff. <laughs> I was because nobody, because nobody, literally, not one person in my entire life had ever said anything or espoused any beliefs that I like, like the ones that I was, I was evolving into through the information that I had. No one had ever talked to me about any of this stuff, and it, it, it was, it was a very strange, lonely time. But then. I discovered Ron Paul and I discovered that there was this whole Liberty movement full of millions of people that understood what I was talking about and they loved my songs, you know, and it was, it was just a great, it was just a great time and a great thing to be part of to get me started uh, in my new path in life. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's something it is it, when you realize that, um, you know, you're not the only one that there's other people that, uh, have thought about these things before you, you know, and, and, uh, have threshed out some of the details. You're like, Oh, well, that's, that's amazing. But, um, so when you, when you had your, your kids and, and did you start thinking about school? Did you think about sending them to public school or think about homeschooling them? Was that ever something that crossed your mind until you actually got into school? Cause I know that's, it's one of the things that, you know, with, with homeschooling is kind of, I don't know. I feel like in the Liberty movement, it's, you know, public schools are sort of frowned upon. And, um, is that something that came up early on or was it something that just kind of happened later? I, I had very strong feelings about it right from the start. I knew 
we didn't want to home we, we didn't want to send Johnny to public school um, and we were at the time we were living in Indiana when he when he was getting to be preschool age and the the we were we were a Catholic at the time and my wife and I we are no longer consider ourselves Catholic but we were Catholic at the time and we were going to a Catholic church and they had a private school that we were into but it had all the same problems that public schools do. And it, you know, it, basically they're, they're just camps to, to train kids to be obedient to authority figures and getting them ready for prison. Um, so I, I had a very, very bad taste in my mouth after, you know, a year and a half of that with him and we pulled him out. We, 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 we started homeschooling as a reaction to the negative experience we had with even with a private school. And so my wife and I, you know, my wife, Mary and I, we have seven children for your, for your listeners. We have seven children and that, that, that are all the two of ours. You know, we, we, we have, my wife has given birth to seven of my babies and we have, and we have one in heaven and my, um, we, we have, we have five boys and two girls and, she was, she had a lot of fears about homeschooling, didn't know if she'd be good at it. Didn't, I mean, I think the same things that everyone feels when they first get into it, but you know, I, I had been, you know, going to a lot of uh, pork fests, the porcupine freedom festivals in New Hampshire and talking to a lot of these unschool families. I'd never heard this term unschool before. And it was basically explained to me that you provide an educational atmosphere and an environment that's unstructured that it, I mean, you give the children the core things like you teach them to read, you teach them to write, you teach them, you know, basic math. Um, but you, you explore their interests. And at first this idea sounded like a bunch of cockamamie nonsense to me because, because it was against my programming. And I had to realize that I had been programmed to believe that a structured environment where you ask to take a piss and where you, you know, get up when the bell rings and you raise your hand to speak and you, you, you learn, you, you, you memorize ideas instead of creating your own ideas, that that was the way that education was supposed to be. So I was very um, kind of defensive about that when I first heard about unschooling, but the more I listened the more I let go of my preconceived ideas or my preconceived uh, doctrine, indoctrination and programming, the more I realized like that makes a lot of sense. So we started trying it. We started asking John, what would you like to learn about today? And he would say, I want to learn about whales. And so we would plug the laptop into the TV and we would do, we would find the, like everything we could find about every kind of whales and any whales that he wanted to learn about, we would learn about that. And now he wants to learn about tornadoes. So we would, we would learn everything there was to know about tornadoes and he would be so stimulated and excited that he could not wait to tell us the next thing he wanted to learn about. And when I say learn, I mean, really, truly, they, he was learning. And then, and, and our, our second son, Andrew was too. They were so excited about learning and thirsty for knowledge because they could get answers to any question they had. It wasn't a pre-written program of information that 
they probably they didn't even want to know about. It was it was whatever was stimulating them, and it and it instilled in them a love of learning, a love and a thirst for information, and and getting their questions answered. And they have very inquisitive, scientific minds now. They they, they love school. They they love to learn. I mean, I remember there was a, there was a time we got um, somebody somebody gave us a an interactive like a, kind of an old school from like the the early two thousands kind of a, an interactive board where they could push buttons and it was like every it was like every president of the United States of America from George Washington to um, to George W. Bush. Okay, and so you could push the buttons and, and it would tell you the name of the president then you could find out what what year they were born what year they died where you know what what their home state was you know what they were famous for you know blah 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 it had just a lot of facts that you could learn about each president andrew and john took the we just gave it to them i didn't say learn this i just said here see see what you can do with this and within a month the two of them had memorized every single fact about every single president in order so that I could test them. Like, like they would give me the board and they would, and, and they would say, pick a president. And I would pick Calvin Coolidge and they'd be like, Oh, well he was the 27th president. He was born in Missouri. You know, this is totally not true. Yeah. But like, he, you know, <laughs> he, he died on, you know, April 21st, 1862 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, and I'm like, Holy crap. And then I would hear them even making up, these math equations saying, you know, 16 plus 24 equals, um, equals Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, the, what they're saying is the 16th president was Abraham Lincoln and the 24th president was whoever. And, and 16 plus 24 equals, um, you know, 40 and the 40th president was, you know, whoever it was. I'm like, your your brains are are working at a at a, at a level that I never anticipated. That mine doesn't even work on, and I was so impressed that like we just stuck with unschooling for years. Un unstructured was the way to go when they were really when they were young when they when they were you know age three to about age you know eight, and after that the unschooling didn't seem to have like it didn't seem to have as, as good an effect they wanted some structure they, like they, they were basically asking for that and so we moved here to washington a few years ago and you know came to a community that's a very liberty-minded community and a lot of the families homeschool and so we all got together and made a co-op homeschool school so it was a structured school environment it was, it was, it, we, we were doing kind of a Christian based education system and cause all the families here are Christian and we, but we, we all got together and agreed on what the curriculum would be. And, you know, and, and then the kids thrived, you know, we, we're using homeschool curriculums cause there's a lot of homeschool curriculums out there. Like we use Matthew C for math and it's a great curriculum. That's just an example. And all the families were all the all the parents were teaching all the kids at diff, on different subjects, right? And my wife was teaching math. She was really nobody else wants to teach math, and she was really good at that. And so, um, and then the kids thrived there too, you know, because they already had that love of learning instilled. Right. Yeah, it's 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 amazing um, when you can step back when you can deprogram yourself enough to step back and give the kids a little bit of freedom and, and watch them 
what they can do with it all, you know? Um, and, and like you said, you know, it's, it's not for every kid, you know, some kids at some point, they want a little bit of structure. They want a little bit of direction and, and pointers and why not? You know, you, you can, so why not? Um, I'm curious the, so you, you, when you're, when you put your son in Catholic school there, um, was that like a religious thing? Was that, did you put him in the Catholic school because you were Catholic or was it because you didn't care for the public school in that district or what, what made that? Yeah, there was, there was no, there was no chance we were putting him in the public school. I thought that the private school would be better than public school, but it just wasn't. Uh, it it wasn't because I wanted him to receive any kind of Catholic education. And he was in preschool at kindergarten at the time. So it wasn't like they're indoctrinating him with blah, blah, blah. It was just like, you know, learning their ABCs and that kind of stuff. But the, the, the their attitude toward discipline, um, you know, the, like the, they were telling me that, you know, John didn't want to participate. You know, I mean, John, John, ha, you know, has some, he's, br- he's a, he's a brilliant person and he, he's extremely smart, extremely loving, you know, amazing person, but he, but he has some, some injuries from, from vaccine exposure. And he does things a little differently than other people. He learns, he, he learns in his own way. He expresses himself in his own way. And when he was little, he understood everything you were saying to him. You know, he understood, but, but he just, he didn't, he didn't like the school. He didn't like the lessons and he didn't want to be part of it. And he protested in his own, you know, little three-year-old way. And they were trying to tell me I should be punishing him for not participating that that if I, I, and i'm just like y'all are idiots and i i, I and I, we, we pulled him i mean when, when they started telling me how that i should be disciplining my child because he's not going along with the program even though he's learning the lesson he's coming home and teaching us everything he learned in school but he's looking at them like they're all insane and this whole situation is insane you know he was a, he was the smartest person in the class including the teacher so we, we, we pulled them from there and and hence our homeschool journey began. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, it's sad. You know, it really is the, even the private schools, it's the same thing. You know, you get a lot of the same, same baggage that comes with it, you know, and I don't know. So your, your co-op then, um, your, your wife teaches math. Do you guys break it up? Like, do you meet, is it like a weekly type thing or do you guys meet, uh, how often do you guys... <laughs> Well, we've been doing it for the last three years. Um, we're not we're not doing it currently this year, um, but the way that we the way that we structured it was there were like four or five uh, different parents who would teach classes, and, and they, they so one would do history and science, another would do um, <clears throat> would do spelling, grammar, language arts, um, civics. You know, my wife was primarily the math teacher, um, but, she, but 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 they're also it, it's like a one room schoolhouse kind of thing where we're meeting at the church and you know it, it, it's 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 like a school environment but like the old school marm kind of <laughs> kind of uh, uh, format where you have kids from you know maybe six different grade levels all in the same room and they're all learning different levels of the same subject and and it worked yeah it worked pretty good. Good deal. Good deal. Do you, uh, I'm curious if you, you, do you get involved with like the music end of things? Like, do you, how does that work for you guys? Cause it's one of those, you know, like bringing electives into homeschool sometimes is 
you know, it's tough. If you want to, you know, sports, you got to go find a bunch of people, you get, you know, all that stuff. And I'm curious if you like, uh, do, do you get involved with that at all? Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Like I, I've been playing music since I was about 12 years old. Right. I mean, John, my oldest is, is 11. <clears throat> my, my son, Andrew, who's 10 is obsessed with the piano. He plays the piano all day long. He's all, he's writing music. He's doing all kinds of stuff. John is an incredible singer. Um, you know, the, the, the kids, they, they all do different arts. But I was, a, I was a music teacher. I taught guitar, bass, and voice for about nine years um, in private instruction through a, through a store and, and freelance. And I taught about 3,000 people in that time. And what I learned very, very early on is you, it, it is a waste of time to instruct a, a child in music who doesn't really want to do it. There has to be some passion there and a love of music and a desire to create music in order for it to be a worthwhile expenditure of one's time, energy, and resources to teach them. And so, you know, my, my, like, my, my kids all know that I'm a musician and that I, I play music for them every day. And when they're ready, I'll teach every one of them, but not, but, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to take it. I'm I'm not going to like take it easy on them as though they were not like any other student. Like you have to practice. If you want to get good, you have to practice. And if you're, if they, if they're not ready to have that level of commitment and the discipline to achieve it, then I'm just, I'm going to wait until they're ready. Even if, you know, let's say they're 15 and they want to start learning how to play something. That's fine too. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to force people to learn things. Like I don't, like I, I don't believe in the use of force, the initiation of force for anything. Um, but especially like not when I'm trying to instill a love of something in my kids, like a love of music. They already love music, but, but it hasn't clicked in them yet necessarily that they want to create their own music. Yeah. I think you can say that all, I mean, pretty much for any subject, you know, what's the point in forcing somebody to do uh, calculus if, um, if they're never going to use it, if they don't want to use it, if they don't want to learn it. I mean, you're just not going to do it, you know? Um, yeah. If so. you love math and you're fascinated <laughs> by, by, by equations and, and you're just like eating up geometry and trigonometry, well then hell yeah, go learn some calculus and, and discover the, the hidden mysteries of the cosmos while you're at it, you know? do that but i mean calculus used to be taught at much lower grade levels because education was a very different thing 100 120 years ago you know i mean if you if you look at if you look at um syllabuses from from like the early 1900s i mean kids kids as young as like 12 13 are being taught how to run businesses and being taught like high level adult stuff that you know, I, I didn't even know at 18 when I graduated high school. I went to college completely unprepared for the world. I graduated college completely unprepared for the world. You know what I'm saying? So education is a subjective experience, and it is whatever you want it to be. I mean, like, you know, the, funny, funny enough, Ben, like the, the, the first time I, I heard someone propose this idea was in that movie Good Will Hunting. Remember with uh, Ben yeah. Affleck and uh, Matt Damon, yeah. and he basically says like you you spent you know two hundred thousand dollars, you know get, getting a piece of paper that you could have just gotten a library card, <clears throat> you know, and, and learn the same stuff, and you're reading all the wrong books. 
Well, I think I think that's that's one component of many that's that's to blame for the current state of our of our country and, and the and the young people because they're being raised by the state in these in these indoctrination camps. They're teaching them all the wrong stuff and just teaching them to be good slaves and not thinkers and not just good workers, good drones, but not but not free thinkers and and it's it's uh, it's sad. So education is really up to you. Uh, what you what you make of it yeah and i think there's a lot in that the the sort of power of of expectations you know like yeah 100 years ago 150 years ago kids were kids were expected to know more you know they were expected to be working on the farm or, or be working in the the family business and you know that was that was part of it um like you said you know we're we're expected now to be a good cog and and you know that's it and you get out of college and God knows what you just learned. You just, you know, four years and a whole bunch of money and to do what? But, um, so you guys, are you guys homeschooling now or how's that look right now? Okay. So the situation with us now is, you know, we live in Washington state and the homeschool regulations in Washington, we've just been ignoring, you know, for, for, for quite a few years now. And, but it's getting a little, it's getting a little weird up here. It's they're, they're really cracking down on a lot of different things like vaccinations and whatnot, homeschool. And the, the, the laws are such that you are supposed to have a licensed, a state licensed teacher uh, directly overseeing your curriculum, that you're reporting to a licensed teacher. Okay. Which, of course, is complete crap. Yeah. But, and, and, and we've been basically saying F you the entire time we've been here. But we're, things are happening up here now that we're, we're just concerned, you know, we, we, we don't want to to deal with, you know, attention from the state. So my wife is currently in the process of becoming a certified licensed teacher so that she can be the teacher overseeing our curriculum. And so they won't have anything that they'll be able to say to us about it. She also has a lot of interest in teaching because she's really good at it. Um, you know, and we're, we're both, you know, hardcore Liberty people. And, you know, she could do a lot of good, even in a public school. I mean, she could do a lot of good um, teaching kids in, in that environment who are otherwise just getting a bunch of indoctrination. They could have one teacher who's a, teaching them to think freely. But, and, and, you know, teachers are paid very, very well up, up here in Washington. So there's a lot of different angles that we may go at. We found a school that's only about three miles from our house that only has about 30 kids in it, like for grades K through eight, total 30 kids. And, and so, well, 30, 36 now, because six of our kids are going there. Um, we're, and, and it's very much more like the Montessori style. Um, very small classrooms, very much personal attention. Uh, the, the superintendent and, and, and principal are the same lady, and she's a good friend of ours. And she, you know, she completely gets where we're coming from, you, you know, politically, totally understands. And she's like, you know... We're not doing any of, any of the nonsense that you're seeing in most public schools is not happening up here. We're teaching the kids how to how to computer code. We've got 3D printers here. We're teaching them how to 3D print stuff. We're you know we've got art tech clubs that they can be part of. I mean they're they're loving it. They're loving it, and and we are very closely monitoring everything that they learn. Um, and and it's 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 a it's a good situation for us for right now. It's giving my wife the opportunity to do her classes and, you know, which are all very, very heavily leftist propaganda nonsense. But she's, you know, the smartest person I know. And, and she just laughs when she reads this stuff. And, 
you know, passes the tests and blah, 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 just to get through it. Um, but she, but you know, she's, she's going to become a licensed teacher. She's getting her master's in education and she's got a master's in public administration already and she's getting a master's in education. So we're thinking maybe we'll open up our own school. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask if, so with, with that regulation and with, with her degree, would she be able to oversee like your co-op, like everybody in the co-op or is there like a limit as to how many yes. people? No, she, can... she, she would be able to oversee the like a, a large co-op of of, of a, like a, a whole homeschool community so 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 that's that that's kind of what we're gearing up for and, and what what a big part of the goal is uh we were just very fortunate and most families are not are not this fortunate we were fortunate to find a school that was very small that had the philosophy that we could tolerate and we know the people who are teaching our kids and that is because you know you, your enemy is never going to give you the education you need to overthrow him right and, and which is which is what the the, the modern american public school system is it's, it's an indoctrination program to 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 keep you um to keep you stupid you know i actually have a song where i talk about this uh, it's called sedition and the, the lyrics go um here's to the centers of indoctrination controlled by the power elite where you're taught to be numb till you're blind, deaf, and dumb and prepared to accept your defeat. Yeah. Well, that, 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 my feelings on it, Ben, you know, I mean that, that when I look at the public school system and if you see the fruit of the public school system in the last two generations that just, that have come out of it. I mean, these people are, absolutely clueless entitled spoiled rotten little children who want the government to do everything for them they they want mommy and daddy to do everything for them and they they have no understanding of self-respect or respect for other people you know it's I, it's the antifa generation and i'm you know disgusted by these people um but i i also understand how it happened it happened because the public school system turned them into these freaking, you know, bratty little zombies. And so, so I mean, my, my kids are learning self-respect and self-discipline and self-governance. You know, they're, they're learning the principles of freedom and, and, and volunteerism. They're, they're lear- they're, I mean, self-governance is, is such a huge lesson that most people don't learn until a lot of people don't get it until they end up in jail. Yeah. I was <laughs> and then they realize, oh, well, maybe I should control myself. Yeah. I, I was going to say that a lot, a lot of people don't get that at all. I don't think, you know, um, that's true. Th- it's just, uh, there's so much, you can just get away with it. You know, eh, the consequences aren't there. They're, they're not, they're not the, as concrete as they probably should be sometimes, but, and, and I don't mean that in like a, you know, you need to go to prison kind of like this. I want to say, no, of course not. No, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, like, we, I we give our it. kids healthy boundaries, Yep. you know, and like my whole thing with them is I, I tell them, I don't want to have to tell you what to do. Why are you forcing me to govern you? I'm tired of governing you. I want you to govern yourselves. Do it yourself. Stop, 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 you know, forcing me to intervene because you're not capable of, of controlling your own actions and behavior, you know, like treat people with respect, you know, like respect people's property, 
even if it's like he, he stole my toy, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, I, and, and I talk to them, and I've always talked to them like adults. I've never talked to them like they're babies, unless they were actually a baby, <laughs> you know. As soon as I could have a conversation with them, I was using adult words. I was using full, complete sentences, you know. There's no and, reason not to. They they pick up on all that stuff, you know. They You treat them with respect and as an adult and and they will respond in kind, you know, um, you treat them like little babies and that's what happens. You get an 18, 19, 20 year old kid who doesn't get it, you know? Um, but no, anyway. absolutely. so, um, yeah, I guess you guys are, are up there. You're, uh, you're, you're doing some homeschool stuff. You, and I know you're, you're growing some things, right? You guys got a little bit of a, a farm yeah, we've, homestead, got, we've got a we've got a farm it's about seven acres so we're up in northeast washington uh so we get really long uh days in spring and summer you know the sun comes up around five and doesn't at peak summer doesn't even set till nine thirty at night um so we we get really really long days which is great for for growing and you know we we do uh raspberries and plums and apples and pears um generally i'll do a garden where we grow all the all the standard vegetables peas uh, cucumbers peppers broccoli uh radishes uh, carrots that kind of stuff um we also grow a fair amount of uh, of rhubarb but my my main crop is uh industrial hemp so i've been in the cannabis space i've been you know screaming about cannabis freedom for years uh, i actually have a I, I got, I mean, you know, I, I, of course I smoked plenty of cannabis when I was, you know, in, in my late teens, early twenties, but I, I, you know, I gave it up cause I was just becoming like an idiot. Um, cause, because I abused it. I, I, I was abusing a medication. Like, you, you know, you abuse any medication, you're acting like a complete idiot. Um, yep. and so I, uh, I, I gave it up for a long time. I found out in 2016 that someone had, um, a grower out of out of Northern California had named a strain of of cannabis after me. They uh, they had they had Liberty Haze and Kaboom, and they crossbred these two uh, strains and named it Jordan Page. And I was kind of like blown away that there was a strain of Jordan Page out there. If you go on Seed Finder, this is really funny because we have so many kids, right? And they I got on Seed Finder, and there's like four or five different versions of the jordan page weed right and they call it the jordan page breeding program which is really funny because my wife and i it was like every year we were pregnant again you know we were we had our own breeding program and we were making (laughs) a million babies and they're making this jordan page breeding program out of weed so uh it's pretty cool i mean there's an indica and there's a sativa and and two or three versions of each one um so that's kind of fun and, but I was doing a lot in the cannabis space, and um, and a good buddy of mine up here in Washington has been growing hemp for years, and, and cannabis, and he uh, he got me into hemp, and and really just like taught me the ins and outs of hemp, and what a miraculous plant this is, my God! And I grew it uh, three years ago, and just fell in love, like you know, just absolutely fell in love with 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 farming, you know, as a, as a as, as a commercial enterprise, um, and as a labor of love. And so now, you know, I've got a, um, I've got a small, uh, hemp company up here that, you know, I'm, I'm growing for seed and for flower biomass to 
for extraction and for uh, hemp cigarettes. Um, the hemp that I'm growing this year is called uh, Sour Tsunami, and it's 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 got it's a, a bit higher CBD content. It's about uh, 13% CBD, and it is a um, you know it, it, the THC is only tracing out like less than 0.1%. So you can you you can you know take the flower and uh, and pack uh, cigarettes with it, you know, empty cigarettes with filters and whatnot, and, and smoke it, and, and you get a really nice effect from it. You don't get high. You don't get the spacey, you know, what, paranoid, what does it all mean <laughs> kind of stuff. You, you just get very relaxed and calm. Everything just, like, just everything in the world just kind of smooths out, and, and you, you, you clear thinking while feeling good and uh, it, it, it's really really nice and so we're i'm working with a retailer out of spokane and selling my biomass to them to to make these uh, cigarette these hemp cigarettes and i'm also selling the oil that that we extract from our hemp to uh to put into medicine and a lot there's a lot of people in in the spokane area who are buying those products like a lot of people with parkinson's and other diseases that are they're dealing with and and it's it's really helping them so it's it's really fun to know that something that you poured your blood, sweat, and tears into, um, and, and, and loved and, and grew and and just invested in, is that you're make, not only making you know a living from, but that you're also helping people. So it, it, it just uh, I, I, I foresee myself growing growing hemp for the for the foreseeable future. That's cool. That's impressive. Um, it's something I, I've I've kind of considered down here in Georgia, but the regulations on it are just so much that, you know, you can forget about it. Um, you know, in terms well, you of- should talk to, to my buddy, Ted Metz. Uh, he's been, at, do you know, Ted, yeah. he's at, he's at the kind of the forefront of a lot of things, um, pushing legislation in the right direction. And he's part of a, of a, of a hemp, uh, association that's, um, that's helping hemp businesses get started. So I can put yeah. you in touch with him. Yeah, he, I think he's he's down in Georgia too. He ran for governor last uh, last go around, but and, right. and it may have changed. But um, I think when it initially passed or was was legalized, it was like I want to say there was like two or three permits the state was going to allow, and like right. just the cost of the permit, like applying for the permit alone is it's just so restrictive, you know, little, little people can't do it. You, you have to be, you know, this big corporation, this big organization and, you know, it, it just, well, that's who organized that, right? Yeah. Like the oh, big yeah. corporations made the barrier to entry so huge that no, no ordinary people could compete. And they, they basically bribed their pals in the state house to make it that way. So that only they could get licenses like up here, anybody can get a license. I mean, for three plots, totaling about seven or eight acres. I think it was about 1700 bucks. Uh, me and, and two other guys are on the same license up here in Washington. It was about 1700 bucks total for all of the licensing. And, and, and granted, not that I approve of licensing because licenses are basically just rights that the government stole from you and then sold back to you. But you can grow. I mean, see, they don't have the enforcement arm to really stop people from growing. But the problem is, is that no one will buy from you if you don't have a license. No retailers will buy from you because they're all licensed, right? And they're licensed retailers, and they won't buy from you unless you have a license. So you're kind of stuck in that regard, even if you don't get a license. It's tough, too. You know, I mean, like, yes, licenses are, are, 
you know, they're basically, yeah, like you said, they're, they're stealing it and selling it back to you. But at the same time, when you start having kids and you start having a family and, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta consider some of those things. They're a little, a little more important than when you're uh, off on your own, if you're going to buy that license or not, you know? Um, well, that's absolutely true. You know, and, and we're, we're trying to, you know, sell to big commercial farms and sell our seed. And, and those farms aren't going to buy from anyone who's not, who's not licensed as well. So it's just, you know, as, as an, as an anarchist slash libertarian, I, I am kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because there, there, there aren't enough agorists out there in this business for me to interact with, you know, I, I'm, I'm basically forced to interact with the man. So, um, but the upside is, is that you can make a lot of money, you know, growing hemp, you can help a lot of people and you can proliferate a, a culture that, that understands what hemp is and understands what cannabis is and that it's not something to be feared. It's not the devil's weed. It's actually a healing plant, not just for the body, but for the earth too. You know, you could, you could take a completely nutrient depleted field and plant hemp and it, and, and it will, it will heal the field. That's, that's, that's one of the things I would love to be able to grow up for. You know, we're, I'm on this spot right now is tobacco and cotton and soy and peanuts for, I don't even know how long, you know, last hundred years or so, whatever, but the ground is just, it's, it's solid. It's clay. It's got nothing in it. You know, I'd love to put something on there to do that. And then you have all the, the side products that you had mentioned that, you know, they are, it's beneficial. It's a medicine. And I, it's so amusing, you know, I, to me anyway, kind of when you, people get so upset and tied up with this cannabis thing. And, but you know, you, you go to the doctor and you get a prescription, you know, for, for your pain or for your anxiety. It's, it's the same thing. Like one, one is a little more natural than the other one, you know? Um, and, and there's just such that disconnect, um, kind of everywhere, you know? Well, that's by design. It was it was a, it was a miseducation campaign that was per- perpetrated by government and 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 private industry. You know, and they they wanted to get hemp out of their way of, of as competition for paper and and plastics and nylon and whatnot. And it was an easy way for the the department of uh, or the department of uh, narcotics to to grow was by demonizing cannabis and it created the prison industrial complex. I'm, I'm convinced of that. The, dr- the drug work really helped to create it as, as, as an industry and which is a trillion dollar industry. Now there, there are half the people that are in American prisons today are in there for nonviolent drug offenses. Most of, and most of those over 80% of those are cannabis. There's even people that are in that, that got life sentences for for um, distribution of, of of small amounts of cannabis, they got like life sentences for that. They're still serving. I was reading about a guy yesterday who's in who's in Illinois, who is serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole for selling small amounts of cannabis. And cannabis has now um, been legalized to a degree in in Illinois. So this very thing that he is in prison for life for is now legal in the same state where he's in prison. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think there's many things we can take as a whole from like the whole California area, but I, I think I want to say it was San Francisco or something. Some, one of the, one of the cities there, I think did it right where, you know, they, they legalized cannabis and then they went through and systematically, I think they're, they're pardoning people that are in jail for 
use it for, you know, cannabis for whatever they got in trouble for. But it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you got to you put these people in jail and now this thing's legal, but we're going to keep you there, you know, and got to keep those beds filled. You got to keep those contracts filled, right? Yeah. But, well, it's, it's all subsidized, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's modern day slavery. You know, it has, it has nothing to do with keeping anyone safe or making society better. It's just about, it's just about money on the backs of incarcerated slaves. And it's just, it, it, it makes me absolutely sick. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. It's tough. I think, uh, uh, you're listening to John Odomat there over on felony Friday. So he, I'm not familiar. Uh, he, he's got, I mean, it's just like week after week of, of people that have been caught up in the system like this. And just it, it's, it's crazy how, how rotten and just backwards the, the criminal justice system really is and, and how it's designed almost to, to put you in a hard place, you know, to, to keep that, that prison industrial complex growing and thriving, you know, but anyway, do you, do you, uh, I'm curious, do you process a lot of your hemp yourself or do you like send it off to get yeah, we dry process, meaning we will we will thresh it. Uh, we, we we dry it um, so it's bone dry. We strip it, we thresh it, and we and we seed clean. So so we separate the seeds and and clean the seeds, and then so we have two products to sell. Basically, we have the seed, and then we have all the milled flour biomass. And we send we that we can extract ourselves, but when we have a lot, we generally will have someone else extract it. Um, we, we, we tend to lean towards ethanol extraction, but we have done CO2 before as well. But now, you know, we, we, last couple of years, the amount of extractors out there has, has, you know, expand, expanded so much. Like there, there used to be only like a handful of people that you could even go to for that, for the, for the, for the big plants. Now, you know, there, there's, there's dozens of them in every state. So it, it the industry is changing a, a lot and I'm, I'm glad to see it changing and, and becoming a little a little more mainstream, um, in, in that it's it's becoming accepted. There's more options. You know, the free market is at work. Uh, even 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 as we don't really have a free market, the free market is still you know shining through in, in, in some ways. Um, you know, you're still having to deal with the regulations, and and that's that that can be hard. You know, when we're talking about you know you have to keep your plants under. 0.3% THC. I mean, you know, you, you really have to have strong genetics and make sure that your, your crops aren't going hot and they aren't stressed out and making more THC. I mean, there is a science to it for sure. But, um, but we, you know, we, we, we generally like our plan is to end up extracting ourselves like full time. Um, but you know, it's one step at a time, right? So this, this year we're, 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 we've scaled up a little bit. We're scaling up a little bit more next year. And, uh, and eventually we would like to, ha I'd like to have, you know, several hundred acres that we're growing on and, and processing and extracting all in house and maybe even have a retail, our own retail products, not just selling it wholesale. So, but you know, you never know how things are going to end up right now. I'm loving growing it. I love going out in my field and walking through the hemp and talking to it and praying over it and singing to it, listening to the bees because the hemp gives the bees a, a very nutritious, uh, food source. Uh, during a season when pollen is not readily available, so so hemp hemp is very very critical to bees, and so if, I think if the more we see hemp crops, uh, you know, outdoor outdoor grows, 
um, you, you may you may see a, uh, a rejuvenation of, uh, of of bee populations as well. Oh man, that would, that would be nice. It's 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 crazy how much how how interwoven things really are, you know. And uh, but anyway, well, I I appreciate you coming on today, taking the time. Um, I know it's uh, we're, we're you're busy, busy man, going all over the place. But, uh, always, man. Always. This is never a dull moment. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so well, today, uh, I'm today I'm pulling uh, I'm pulling male plants out of the field. They, they've 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 exhausted themselves with their pollen, and now it's time for them to go and let the girls grow big and beautiful. Um, oh, one thing I want to tell you about your soil in Georgia is you should look into biochar. You know, um, me and some some friends of mine we have we have some companies that we that we own and. One of them is a biochar distribution company. Biochar is basically uh, tree biomass that's been heated at extreme high temperatures in a zero oxygen environment. And you sequester all the gases and elements that are not carbon, but everything that is carbon comes out the bottom in this charcoal-like material that has a, a, a porous like honeycomb structure. And what it does is it, it can retain, it, not only can it like suck up toxins and trap them, but it can also um, retain moisture three to five times its own weight in moisture, and then it feeds that moisture to the root systems if you till it into your soil. And the carbon also gives the plants a huge boost. So if you if you end up growing down in Georgia in depleted soil, um, I would I would get some biochar and till that into your soil, and that that could actually increase your 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 crop sizes quite a bit. We're we're, we're starting to use that ourselves. Nice. I will have to look into that. We've been doing a little bit with like the the Hugel culture, and you know we're always throwing the the ashes from the wood stove out there. But uh, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely need something something more. So, um, yeah. So why don't you uh, why don't you tell us where to go to to find your music? I know you you got lots of it out there. And sure. Well, I'm on uh, I, I'm on JordanPageMusic.com. J O R D A N P A G E Music.com. Uh, I'm also on iTunes and Amazon. Um, anywhere you can download music, uh, I'm I'm pretty much there. So um, CDBaby.com is my distributor, so you can get it from there. Uh, and I'm, I'm on YouTube, and you know, I, I put a single out this uh, past March called "The Persecution of Schaefer Cox," which is a song I wrote for Schaefer Cox, who's an American political prisoner who's being held in a in a, a torture in in torture camp in Indiana. Um, full of uh, Islamic terrorists that were moved there from Guantanamo Bay. Uh, it's a, it's was well, it's probably the worst prison in America, and he was framed for a crime that never even took place. Uh, I learned about his story at uh, freeshafer.com. I would very, I would love to have people go check that that site out and uh, and learn about Schaefer and what happened to him and see the music video that we did for the song, the persecution of Schaefer Cox. Half of the half of the sales go to his um, his legal defense fund. And um, so we're real excited about him and, and, and his story and the possibility of him possibly being being released because he's got a lot of a lot of updates in his case that um, we're hoping that he'll be released. Um, I also did a song uh, in November uh, for Lavoy Finicum, the rancher who was killed by federal agents in 2016 as part of the the occupation of the Malheur Wildlife Refuge with Ammon Bundy. Uh, Lavoy was shot in cold blood by federal agents nine times and uh, unarmed in the snow. And uh, I wrote a song for him too called The Ballad of Lavoy Finicum, A Cowboy Stand for Freedom. That's also on my website and iTunes and Amazon. So check it out. 
Yeah, I, I, I will say that I, I've I've enjoyed them. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I remember hearing hearing you talk about um, the Schaefer Cox thing before uh, on a couple different podcasts, and it's it's just it's so disturbing that like some of that stuff is out there and no one knows about it. That it's just so quiet. Like you would think that this would be some sort of outrage everywhere that you know you can treat someone like that, but. Uh, Anyway, well, no. people have become numb. I, th- I think it's interesting that you know, the internet has done so much for, for humanity, but it's also made people very complacent and numb where they can just swipe to the next story at, rather than allow the outrage to plant roots, to, to grow roots in their heart. I, I read a story this morning about an elderly man, I think in his, in his late 70s, early 80s, who was treating chronic illnesses with cannabis in Missouri, and he was sentenced to 10 years. And you see this man in his mugshot. He's got a long white beard. He's an old man, and he's using cannabis to treat illnesses that he has. And he was given ten years in prison, which is likely a life sentence for him. Yeah. And I mean, oh, I mean you know, you, 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 you get maybe fifty or sixty uh, sad faces or angry faces or likes or whatever, and then it's on to the next story. But that man is still in prison. That man is still languishing in jail and will probably die. So it's like how how long? I mean, you know, get someone like Jeffrey Epstein, who who, you know, whether he was removed from the prison or actually <laughs> yeah. murdered in the prison who remains to be seen. But he's essentially he's off the map, and the people of of this country know everyone knows what happened, and yet no one is going to do anything about it. And the bad guys who rape children, and this guy was going to you know be 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 the key to exposing them all. They're all going to keep doing what they were doing before, and and. Life goes on and, and nothing changes because the people don't rise up. And so I, I'm, 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 I'm blown away by the apathy and complacency of, of the people of this country and all over the world. But you see people in Hong Kong, you know, they're, they're the, the, great, the great meme going around was be the America that Hong Kong thinks you are, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. and uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're quoting our founding fathers. They're, they're, they're quoting Jefferson and Adams and Franklin uh, in, in their fight to, uh, to rid themselves of, of communist oppression. And I just, I, I, like, like there are places in the world where people are waking up and they're, they're finally tired of tyranny. But, but over here, you got, you got millions of fluoridated, docile humans who just, they just swipe to the next, next story, next thing. Yeah, and I think that that really was prevalent with this whole Epstein thing, you know, like it it doesn't matter what side you fall on, you know, something, something happened that should not have happened, whether it was, you know, they let him out, whether he offed himself and somebody turned their back or whether somebody went in and and did it for him, like something happened that shouldn't have. And and there's nothing. Anyway, Jordan, I I appreciate it, man. Um, Get out there and, uh, Go, go pick those those male plants and uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you All soon, right. buddy. All right. Take care. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I enjoyed talking to, to Jordan. Um, and uh, he's, a, he's a 
quite a quite a guy. Um, lots of stories to tell. If you are interested in hearing his story on how he uh, he wrote the song Pendulum, um, and it's a it's a great story. I will link to that in the show notes. Uh, it was in a, an interview he did over on the uh, Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare. Um, really an entertaining story and an interesting one at that. Hope you guys enjoyed that. So if you are enjoying the show, if you are enjoying my interviews, if you're enjoying the work, the time I put into this, um, let me know by, uh, by leaving a review over on iTunes or, or share the show with, um, your friends, your family on, on social media, uh, wherever it may be. Um, and, and spread the word that way. Spread this to, to more ears. Let them know that there are other people out there like them. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. If you really want to show your support, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie. And, uh, yeah, you, you sign up for, I think, $250 a month. You'll get some bonus episodes and bonus content that, uh, I do with, with guests on occasion. And, uh, you get some other stuff. There's some seeds there, some, some, uh, merchandise, t-shirts, hats, etc. All sorts of fun stuff. You can also go over to, uh, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon and, uh, click through that link. That's our affiliate link. Uh, you know, you go to Amazon just, uh, you know, once in a while, spread the love around. I know you're probably clicking somebody else's Amazon link and I'm cool with that, but you know, once in a while, maybe, maybe head on over to mine and next week, come back, come back next week, next Tuesday, I will have another musician. You guessed it. Um, and actually his name is Jordan as well. So I will let you in the week. Think about who it might be. And uh, yeah, you guys enjoy enjoy the fall weather. If you're up in those northern climes, enjoy enjoy it. Because uh, if it's not winter already, it, it will be soon. I know. I know. Anyway, folks, thanks for, uh, thanks for hearing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around. I, I appreciate it. So get out there. Sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together. Dream.